Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everyone. Welcome to a special Lost episode of the Movie Mavericks podcast. No, the episode's not really lost. It's here, but uh, I'll send you over to Jason Regard. He'll, he'll tell you what the hell I'm talking about. Well, we're often lost, but today we're talking about <laughs> The Lost Boys, that 1987 Boys. cult classic. And I will call it a cult classic because this is a film that was not really that big of a hit upon its initial release, but, but gained momentum. But it was a cult classic across all media, was it not? Like on VHS, on cable? This thing was an absolute phenomenon More, more so on than VHS. something like Roadhouse, right? Which Roadhouse, I don't think necessarily did uh, that well on VHS, except after the fact it did. But it was really had that cable moment, right? But this yes. had, a, had a, a, actually made it in theaters and then lived on after that. Yeah, Roadhouse found its way, uh, I wouldn't even say on VHS, but more so, like it's a, a TBS, TNT, constant airing. Cable, and then after it, that, it did find, yeah. Right, whereas this was initially not very, I mean, it was okay received in the theaters. Um, it actually, if you think about, let's, let's talk about it. It, it came did out decent made, enough, though, in theaters, to be honest with you, to, to garner a following, and, and a cult following, if we're going to put it in that sense. And certainly, after that, those people went out and, and definitely talked about it. Well, the movie was outgrossed uh, in the summer of 1987 by other comparable movies like La Bamba, Summer School, Can't Buy Me Love, Revenge of the Nerds 2. Are uh, those kind of things. Well, they're going for the same teenage audience, I would say. You know, that demographic well, that they're shooting for This is a Joel this. Schumacher movie, so. And I want to talk a lot about that. I want to talk about, is there a Joel Schumacher style? Do you think that oh, he has a certain yes. style? Absolutely. You don't think he has a style? Not visually, no. I think he has a style in terms of production design, but I don't think he has a signature style behind the camera. I find this to be, this, mm-hmm. and it works for this movie, but this is very um, static. So There's you're not a lot of movement here. you're talking know, director of as, photography. You're talking... As a visualist. Um, sure. So not, not necessarily a directing as a sense of getting... Uh, um, what <laughs> I mean not well, blocking we're not talking blocking we're not talking um, setting the scene type things you're talking about performances then I guess I'm kind of talking about I mean, how if you're defining who what what makes it a Joel Schumacher movie anybody could have directed this movie I feel like but Schumacher's touches on the peripheral things on the sound mm-hmm. mix on the the soundtrack on the casting choices that is really where uh, he hit the home run here. But I, I, as I watched this, it was produced by Richard Donner, and I kept thinking, if Donner Originally had directed, to be directed this, by him, you, exactly, would it have been that much different? Is this just a workmanlike oh, put on your hat? This and do is it? not directed like a Donner movie. You don't think so? No, I don't think so at all. I think this would have been way more starker and, and a, quite a bit darker had it been a Donner movie. I can tell you that right now. Um, I, I, you know, what Joel Schumacher does, I, I think for, for the most part is he has this light touch. He, he lightens the movie somehow, and this isn't a light movie, but, uh, but he makes it feel like a light movie, you know, and he does that kind of with everything. Um, much in the sense where I, I would, I would compare him most to, I think like a Barry Sonnenfeld, although I agree with you that it, not on the look of the film, you know, certainly not on, um, you know, if you're gonna talk about like blocking or, or framing or anything like that, 
but definitely on storytelling. I could, that's a fair example for Barry Sonnenfeld. I could see that. And they both did smaller films and big budget films, horror films, the whole nine. Um, I do think that Schumacher coming on this project, as opposed to Richard Donner behind the camera, is that he brought a sense of energy to this project. There, this thing right. is lively as a motherfucker. I mean, there is music wall to wall. That's what I mean, right? Movie. It lightens the movie, doesn't it? I mean, doesn't this make you feel more like I mean, the movies that you just listed, and then you you comparing this to something like Revenge of the Nerds two? You compare this to a lot of comedies, um, and it does slot in there well with those. And but it's not a comedy movie, but it makes you feel like. Kind of, I guess, if we're going to talk Richard Donner here, it kind of has that Goonies feel where you're going on an adventure, you know? Yeah. There's danger, but you're not really in any danger. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, you know? The stakes are elevated, but we know what's what's going on. No one's going to get hurt, really. And this movie's very operatic in a lot of ways. I Uh, love that. Yeah, so do I. It works very Very, well with the material. Damn near a Michael Bay meatloaf uh, video sometimes. <laughs> it kind of <laughs> does have that aesthetic. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple more titles to you. And I, I think that The Lost Boys exists in this cinematic world where it has some cousins. Okay? Kind of indulge me, if you will. All right. uh, one would be Interview with a Vampire. I kind of feel there's a kinship to that movie. Based the on other one, what? <laughs> the fact that it's got this... Because they're vampires? Um, and, and it's, it's a full of attractive cast... Um, it's kind of, it, it makes it look mm-hmm. like it might be this, this sexy thing. Um, they're no, I kind of feel you. Yeah. Cause what well, the whole idea is basically my interview with the vampire obviously goes into more detail, but uh, lost boys as well. The idea of someone turning into a vampire and having to deal with perhaps living like that lost boys is a little bit more about the choice of becoming a vampire rather than being already a vampire being forced to be a vampire, which would be interview with a vampire. Right. An interview, so, yeah. interview is a little bit more serious in terms of uh, tone as well. Uh, another movie I'm going to compare it to is The Wolf with Jack Nicholson. With Jack Nicholson? Because of the fact that it's the, like a transformation type movie. And I know uh, the most Who's famous that? of those. Is that Michelle Pfeiffer in that? Who's yes. Yeah, and okay. that's a Mike Nichols film. So it's another mm-hmm. kind of well-respected director taking a shot at a artistic, genre. Uh, um, and moody. Well, I'd say artistic, but obviously... All, I, most directors in this time period were more, far more artistic than anyone we have nowadays. Where they were forced to use a lot of things that they couldn't just CGI. I mean, CGI wasn't a verb. You didn't just CGI things, you know? That's true, you, yeah. You took care of it you, on, on the spot. You, know, you had to make it a movie. Post. Yeah, and then the last movie I'm going to compare this to, and this is a bit of a stretch, but I, I hope you, you can go with me on this road, is Point Break. Do you see a little Point Break in this, in that you uh, have yeah. the outsider in, instigating himself... Uh, into the, or ingrating himself into the culture no, no, 100%. and the outlaw. You could you could take this movie and take the vampires right out of it, and it would still play. I think. And just the new as, kid in town getting dragged in with the bad kids. Sure, and we had I think seen it works. In a sense, in Karate Kid was even you know had some story sure. elements that were you know you, you take out the the martial arts, you put in the vampire. Um, so this this it was definitely in the eighties and the and the nineties especially. Uh, uh, you definitely had the the war on gangs. Right, which I think crept into a lot of stuff, and then that's definitely kind of something a part of this movie, and it was something well, part even of a lot going of the back to the fifties as well. You had you had the, the sure. fear of the teenage uh, rebels, you know, the the knife wielding mm-hmm. punks who were not going to listen to any authority figures, and there was the kind of that underlying fear that they play in this movie too. Right, Greece and, is uh, frightening for the gang warfare in Greece. <laughs> yes. West Side Story, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This, like I said, was a staple of HBO back in the late 80s. And this is kind of where I saw this on repeat. This was on all the time. And I just fell in love with this movie. Uh, my aunt had was really young at the time, had the soundtrack on cassette tape and would play this all the time driving <laughs> around. So I heard Did these you feel songs. like you were in the movie? <laughs> I just heard. And, and, you know, I grew up obviously in the Bay Area, for those that know. And we're not that far from Santa Cruz and the boardwalk. So I figured in these places and always thought about these uh, these vampires that could be lurking around on the boardwalk somewhere. <laughs> you, were, you were hoping for him, let's be honest. I just thought it was a cool you, idea and setting for a vampire movie. Well, okay, would you have been a lost boy? If given the chance in Jason Patrick's uh, scenario exactly. we're talking about? Well, I mean, yeah, like Kiefer Sutherland shows up. He's like, you know, French kiss you, you're a lost boy. Would you do it? Yeah. I know, right? I would. <laughs> yeah, I would. I definitely right? would. It, it, it seems it's too bad, fun. These guys are would, having right? too good of a time. Um, the, the Jim Morrison. Oh, to big, be a vampire, uh, dude, I would be, I'd be a vampire, but I would be like Blade vampire. I, I'd be like a good guy. I have to be like a, <laughs> seriously, I'd be a superhero then, right? I mean, that's what you'd be, right? Fucking superhero. Hell yeah, I'd be a vampire. I bartended for so many years that I'm basically a vampire. I stay up all night. And you've seen them. You've, you've seen them. You just don't know yet, but you've exactly. seen them. <laughs> I think I might have already been initiated years ago. I didn't even know it. Uh, is, is everybody just not at their most attractive stage in this movie? I mean, everybody looks clean and pristine in this flick. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Gertz has never been more attractive. Keith or something has. God. Yeah, I mean, is she talking... not just a bombshell in this movie? And I Holy never thought cow. she was attractive before this movie in, in, in Less Than mm-hmm. Zero, nor after it, like in mm-hmm. Twister. But in this, she is just perfection, right? Yeah, everyone, perfection. everyone is... Um childlike which is weird to say but it's true like everyone's so young their skin is so smooth it's weird it's glowing yeah it's they're all weird, glowing yeah. even though they're um, they're old like like Corey Haim okay he he looks his age more or less in this movie and, and his friends and stuff but Jason Patrick not in high school no he's 19 or 20 yeah give and me a break he's losing his hair for Christ's sakes yeah I mean that's a joke life. but regardless of that yeah they uh the makeup I don't know what they've done to these people but as we say well, as you say they're uh, I don't know I guess they they're putting uh, stockings over the lenses I don't know what they're doing they're giving them soft lighting and all sorts up, of yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, sure. beautiful beautiful complimentary lighting and they all just are are you know young and vibrant in this movie and they're all caught at a good time I think uh, Kiefer Sutherland was in his early twenties and Patrick I think was was twenty or nineteen at the time the whole and Alex Winter has never looked better. I mean, Alex Winter is in this for some reason. Uh, for some that, reason, because he's an actor. <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird. He has to be in some movies. As good as Jason Patrick is in this movie, and he's very good in this. This might be his signature role. Some would say Rush. Only some would say no. I'd uh, say Speed this, Two, but he's not. Yeah, he is not a very good actor. Let's just be honest. There's a reason that there was no breakout after this. Really, I don't mind him as an actor. I actually think he's kind of magnetic in some instances See there, but, but there you go so <laughs> did they not miss the boat here i'm gonna tell you who they missed the boat on casting can you can you tell can you know already do you feel it no? i don't know keanu <laughs> keanu fucking reeves you called it um yeah i don't think so man i don't think that would have worked at all i think that would have been this horrible. is the lost keanu reeves movie Are you, i don't think so 
with Alex Winter in it as well. There's a connection oh, there. God, it could it have been, been done. Now you're trying to get into Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> 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 Pee Wee Herman as well. You're going to have some Paul Rubens in here too. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you're right. I, I always looked at this and thought, you know, Keanu would have been great in this, but this is Jason Patrick's signature role. This is the he's role really he's... really good in this. Not only is he good in this, but he's uh, someone that maybe you relate to, maybe you, you don't. Regardless, you want to be this guy. Yeah, he's cool. Uh, he's cool. Oh, hell yeah. But he's not even the cool kid, though, because the Lost Boys are obviously the cool kids. So it's weird to see a dynamic like that with a cool. Uh, he's supposed to be the out kid, right? The, the, the weirdo in such yeah, a way. The, the new yeah. kid, so to speak. But uh, but he's not. He's fucking cool. Like, I would want to be that guy. And he just yeah, fucks I, around the whole time and goes around. Does, uh, these kids, first of all, these kids do no schoolwork. It's fucking awesome. Where do they go Party to school? Party all day, I, sleep I all go night. There. Yeah, fucking great. I do know that there's no video store on the boardwalk. I always searched for it because I wanted to know if it was being run by the head of the <laughs> and, vampire organization. And, and if it carried Lost Boys. Is <laughs> that ironic, right? <laughs> that would be, yeah, no, that would, like, universes folding in on universes. You that's can, when the that time would not be a good thing. <laughs> opens and I can that's step a singularity. Right that's, yeah, that's the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. So. Uh, we talked about the the liveliness, the pacing of this movie. I think it moves like a bat out of hell. It's about 97 minutes long, and the first setup is getting Michael, the Jason Patrick character, mm-hmm. initiated into the Lost Boys. The second uh, half an hour there, I would or the hour was is roughly his complications in the group wanting to get out, and then the last 20 minutes or so is really packed with action. And in the final fight. With uh, Keanu Reeves and Jason Patrick flying around Not the cabin. I'm really sorry, wish it was Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, Sutherland. No, I'm, I'm now, now I'm recasting him into every single different role. He'll be the Jamie Gertz role next. Um. It doesn't work, the final battle, I don't think. But I think with the editing and the sound design, this thing has a great sound mix. I don't know how you watch this, but I had this thing on full, full blast in the surround sound, and it just... It crackles. Oh, 100%. This is a wonderful mix. Yeah, I mean, the music, as well as you said already, wall-to-wall music, um, which I love. And I love this type of music um, from this era. You know, the... Uh, yeah, I mean, if the if I could have anything, you know, for my day to day life, would be the Beverly Hills Cop music just playing. Um, <laughs> that would make me so happy. That would brighten your day, you know, you know, like some Stranger Than Fiction type shit. But instead of like having the voice, you know, just have that music, fucking great. That'd make that put a this little skip in your step there, wouldn't it? Absolutely, I hear the rock music, anyways. I felt the same way with this movie too. Like mu- music used to set the mood. It used to do it so well, and nowadays. I don't know. It's all fucking like bass drops and just like, you know, drum shit. I, it's just mood. I guess it's more moody now than it was before, which is bad. I don't know. I mean, Hans Zimmer, I think, started off good, but wound up fucking everything up. Uh, he It's an overabundance on boombastic kind of uh, noises and sounds and things yes. like that. But during this period, this movie particularly does it well, is that it starts, you, you hear like the, the chorus, the opening kind of chants of the song over the opening logo Creepy. before the movie's mm-hmm. even started. And it's already got you, it's already got your uh-huh. attention. So now, and then it starts with that bass line uh, and that Cry Little Sister song that opens the movie and it's kind of its unofficial theme mm-hmm. is so intense. I think it's official that, theme. Uh, I, it might be the, the official uh, main I think it's theme. The official uh, theme, yeah. It's so intense and so well done that it sets it and it lets you know that, like, you know, there were this is oh, not and it fucking hits that around throughout the movie too. Yeah, it uh, does. And um, um, 
I mean, this the soundtrack. If we're going to talk about that, was a big mm-hmm. success. I mean, this was a huge, huge seller, and I, mean, I want to say everybody have had this thing. The cassette tape. Absolutely. Fuck yeah, you did. With it was the black and the the red lettering and the whole mm-hmm. nine there, um, and it's it, it had some great songs on there. My favorite song outside of uh, you know the the Cry Little Sister there by mm-hmm. Jared McMahon was Tim Capello's I Still Believe. And if you don't know who this guy is, all you got to think back to is the bodybuilder wearing the fucking chains around his neck playing a saxophone on, in the movie On the Beach. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Great fucking song. I, never really to be heard from again, the guy. But you can get that song right now on Spotify. And uh, you better believe it's on a couple playlists I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. Too. The music is fantastic. Yes, I had the cassette tape that thing must um, have sold four or five million copies that was I wonder... though, uh right was there a score uh release for this though? there was not <clears throat> i didn't think there was that's too bad thomas, this was a thomas newman score thomas too. newman who's, did it yeah he's great i mean newman any newman really aside from the seinfeld newman uh is fantastic <laughs> well he's got a lot of orchestra and like organ arrangements in the in the whole thing too you know Which there's a lot of uh, time period wise though it really really works you know mm-hmm yeah, it, it did. It really, I don't know. I I love that that soundtrack. The score was, is available on Spotify. Maybe have you? Might be. In I know you I, poke around. Have you? I do seen poke around anywhere? often. <laughs> I have not seen that score anywhere. I do. I kind of. Uh, I like to collect random scores. Sure. You know. Yeah. Because, I mean, the soundtrack is great. I, I agree with you on all that. And those were very popular songs. You know. That Hell were yeah. Included on. So it was a great compilation. But uh, but I also really love this score, and I've not uh, I don't remember ever listening to the score on its own. Hmm. What I can't find is any official music videos from that soundtrack that would have been on rotation in MTV's uh, era kind of rotation that would have sold the movie to I its intended audience. That there were any? Um, yeah, I don't remember that there weren't. Because it's if it seems like a movie would ever want the MTV tie-in, it would have been the Lost Boys. Was this you know, perhaps too early? No, I, 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 things like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and 4 were already using that MTV time huh. when Freddie was hosting, you know, Power uh-huh. Hours. and That's true. Uh, uh, there's a couple songs that are, are directly related to, God, who's that 80s band that has a, I think Dream, Dream Warriors is their song. I can't think of the, the band. It's directly from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Oh, they're so bad. It's a, I don't, oh, have I don't to, remember. Oh, but yeah, goodness. Dream Warriors, that's the movie. Dream Warriors. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad song. <laughs> It's a shit song. But I remember the video box had like features, the hit song. Do you remember like in the eighties for a while? Sure, they would I remember do, what you're talking about. I mean, that, that's it. They would release like the music um, video on the VHS after the movie ended. Sure. They did that in the nineties too. But, um, that's why I mean, this is a uh, eighties. I do not remember so much MTV in the eighties. I remember MTV in the nineties and there was a lot of, um, picking of a song not specifically made for a movie but just uh, they would just choose a song this was that movie song and then they would cut a trailer basically cut the movie into the fucking music video yep all the time even if um, it had so like that's what i that's why i thought you were talking about but i think you're actually talking about um more or less music actually made for the movie yes i would think that mm-hmm. there was like a I, I thought that there would be some sort of t- like a heavy tie-in for this to promote it back and well, forth, I but I can't find anything well, on that. But I don't, I don't remember anything like that. So, I hmm. recently saw on YouTube like an anniversary get together with Sutherland and Patrick, where they were doing uh, talking to fans at some sort of con. Oh, it says and 
Uh, just right. not to interrupt too much, but it says uh, uh, "Lost in the Shadows," which was a Lou Graham uh, s- song on the soundtrack, Great had song. a video which featured clips from the film. So there you go. There's one. Okay, well, so they had something then. That, so that there, was, make, there was something. I mean, yeah, you're right. This would be a prime movie, especially since the soundtrack sold. In the 80s, um, well, I mean, fuck a home video. But, uh, yeah, you have to admit, in the 80s, they really found out um, the ancillary stuff. You know, I, I mean, Star Wars, I guess, to some degree, started that stuff. But um, uh, soundtracks, you know, soundtrack. really became I mean, I a, think- it really became a thing. The first one would probably be Saturday Night Fever that people really went apeshit for the soundtrack, and mm-hmm. then after that you just had hit after hit. But and it was then everything. I mean, Top coming Gun, off of like Top um, Gun in '86, I, I mean, everything. Dirty Dancing in '87. Yeah. You just massive, everything. massive soundtracks. This would have been one of those. In '88, hmm. you had Cocktail, which was a huge soundtrack. I mean, maybe even God, bigger than mm-hmm. maybe bigger than the movie itself. You know, They're, every year seemed to have like the the soundtrack of the year, even the Bodyguard soundtrack. I mean, it's got to be one of the That's biggest I mean. selling yeah, of all I mean, time. Into the '90s, I mean, into the '90s, uh, obviously, you know, transition from the uh, cassette to CD, but it was no different. There were soundtracks everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, and every just, movie had were a just soundtrack. Compilations of fucking music. I, there was a point in the '90s where they would just use snippets of songs just so they could throw it on the soundtrack. Hundred percent. I mean, it's they destroyed a lot of horror soundtracks films. at that point. You yeah. look at like the the soundtrack for a movie like Disturbing Behavior. It's all yes, just like wannabe grunge one. bands mm-hmm. coming up. You know, things like that, like Halloween H two O. These are just wannabe bands that were like, well, we'll you know, we'll give you well, the ten second spot H2O in the movie in the been background. A, a, the end of that. Uh, thing really yeah it's uh that was a, a lot I mean, a lot of bands had a yeah, song they destroyed that in the 80s or in the 90s a great job in the 80s destroyed it in the 90s but yeah in anyhow which is, as you were saying which is why you couldn't <laughs> trust the soundtrack by the end of the 90s oh you couldn't uh, but i did see uh, an online clip where patrick and sutherland were answering fan questions and patrick just seems like a prick he just doesn't want to be there he doesn't seem involved he seems very standoffish almost this shy is this is not that long or, ago. I think maybe 2017 yeah. it was. Mm. And uh, they think they were 30th anniversary something. And you know, this got a moderator and the fans are asking questions. And of course, there's silly questions that some of the fans are asking. But Sutherland's being a good sport. And Patrick just does not seem like he wants to be there. He wants to be anywhere but there, it seems like. And uh, I, I don't know. It just it, You hear stories and he turned down the role four or five times. And they kept coming back to him and mm-hmm. x y and z and they didn't think when they were shooting it was going to be anything you know worthwhile and they should have hit up keanu i'm telling you keanu was <laughs> was available my boy keanu was available although they could have fucked up and we could have ended up with like rob Lowe in this so i'm glad we we stuck to where we were <laughs> Wait, at wasn't you know? he uh no no that's the uh Something else. No. no, fucking Rob Lowe was busy making Youngblood, the least convincing hockey movie of all time. <laughs> but he was just in, what was that Stephen King? Uh, oh, he was in Salem's Lot, wasn't he? He was in Salem's Lot, but that was That's many, many years of. later. Yeah, oh, wow. of course. Although, I, I put it to you with this. What do you think Charlie Sheen would have done in this role? Um, Tiger Blood? I think he'd have done a lot of blow with Keith <laughs> Sutherland is what I think. Um... Uh, yeah, I couldn't even imagine Charlie Sheen in this. That would be that would be absolutely horrible. I don't think he'd, he'd fit this button. role at all. He just no. kicked the shit out of the Lost Boys and moved on. He wouldn't have worked because he, he wouldn't have given a shit. Yeah, I honestly would not have given a fuck. Like I couldn't even imagine him playing this character at all, to any degree whatsoever. He would just not give a fuck. He'd go off and do something else. 
Did the movie work for you during this viewing? We've talked about all the the kind of lead up stuff to it, but let's get down to it. Let's you know, we got our our hand down our dress and we're we're going for it. What's oh oh, you're feeling me up here, all right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what uh, what I I looked at this again and really how did you watch this? Let, let's this do movie. let's let's hit the how you watched it first. Uh, I got the Where'd I have a, a, a DVD. I have uh, a physical DVD. media. A DVD. I hadn't first of all I hadn't seen this movie since a revival of it back in two thousand nine on the a big screen. Store bought DVD. It was a store bought DVD. Actually, it was a burnt DVD. I, I think I had the burnt you. DVD as well. <laughs> okay, we must have burnt it from each other. The special oh, you edition. You burnt it for me. Oh well. So it's Whatever a second STD generation burn. I gave you. I yeah. I apologize. Yeah, it's weird to be a virgin with For HPV, the burning, but it the happens. burning feeling after you watch the movie. <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> hey, it drips when it's supposed to and not when it's not supposed to, okay, pal? Um, but the movie played like fucking gangbusters. The reds bled a little more than I kind of remember. I was wondering if a Blu-ray would have helped that out a little bit because oh, there was a lot of red lighting in this. It would have made a huge difference, but yeah. But yeah. I almost liked it better watching it on the standard def. Um felt more like a VHS in some way. 100%. Yep. And at least I mean, it was it, widescreen, it, it, so it was frame well. It was it was widescreen, so it wasn't so, so low resolution that you couldn't enjoy it. Um, and, of course, it's DVD, so the sound quality was uh, great. And it was something – it felt like that that's as close to a shitty 35-millimeter print you'd see in a theater. I would um, 100% agree, you know, yeah. And so, yeah, in that sense, um, I enjoyed it. And just as a movie – um, I forget how good this movie is until you start watching it. This movie is mesmerizing and engulfing, and you just kind of slide into it. it. It doesn't let up. It, it really no, does. not it, ever once. It does never get. It does not get boring to me. There's, there's and it's no shocking point in this movie where it's that boring. it's directed by Joel Schumacher. I, I mean, this may be his best movie. I would say that. Ah, you know what? I have mm-hmm. a big, I have no, a big I source, a soft spot for Time to Kill. I, I, I know, but. When you're watching this, hands down, this is Joel Schumacher's best movie. It's his most fleet-footed, I'll say that, yeah, and, and lively, yes. Well, it's just the best, when you're watching it, it's the best movie. Like, it just takes over everything. I, yeah, And it's it surprising is. that it's, uh, that it's, um, uh, that I would say it's a Joel Schumacher movie, because there's no, there's no screw-up in it, ever, once, anywhere. You know, I think there's, it's a, yeah, a flawless movie as far yeah. as it goes. You know, it's an 80s teen heartthrob. Uh, it's a fucking vampire movie. You know, let's not get ridiculous on it. But um, it, it fills that role uh, completely. Like there's no this was the Twilight movie of the 80s, you know, and yeah. it's uh, I mean, it's loads better, in my opinion, than any of the Twilight movies. It's basically I was a teenage vampire, you know, from the 1950s, exactly. redone with a 1980s sheen. And the the weight and seriousness that this movie carries, the visual gloss that it has, and the fact that they can actually make these teenagers somewhat foreboding, that it, it's... I don't know. They do a really good job establishing mm-hmm. a tone early on. They deviate very small areas to give a little comedy every, or a little lightheartedness exactly. and every time it all I, works i just don't believe edward herman is the lead vampire i don't want to believe it he's such a I nice don't guy believe it every single every single time yeah there's no way there's just no way but i love but that is. opening sequence when they come into the video shop and he tells them to get lost and they actually listen and you're like okay this guy's already establishing some sort they, of rules here but they There's play that economy up great when they show up this. later on too and the dogs barking and, and yep. they show up late at night and stuff you think oh they fucked him up or something and then he shows up later on and then you're sure because you got Corey Heim sitting there in your ear like oh this is the dude and then it doesn't work out and shit like that like I don't know this movie is kind of masterfully 
uh, written and played off and stuff. You have to admit that. Uh, I, like I, you, that- I don't. I don't think the people. You may suspect Edward Herman is is the lead vampire even by the end of the movie, um, which you should. I think it's it's uh, fairly obvious as you just said, but they do a good enough job of making you think maybe that's a dumb idea. And they casted it so well with an actor that you. I mean, he and John Lithgow have a lot of the same appeal. We were talking about sure. him. Sure, oh, he's such uh, a nice air. guy. Um, yeah, I mean, for anyone, I don't know. I obviously he plays the 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 dad on Gilmore Girls, and he's just fantastic. Um, but he's just an incredibly likable person on on the screen. The efficiency which which they get across information, particularly in the beginning, uh-huh. is very well handled. Uh, you know, the mom Musically says a few things about a divorce. But, mm-hmm. uh, they they have a great yeah. that says Arizona. I mean, things are are there for you. They're shown and not it's necessarily visual. told. It's visual yes. and musical and uh, and dialogue when necessary, um, but not always necessary. There are times when he sh- when he shows up and he f- and he. Uh, um, uh, when who what, shows up? I, I guess sleeps with Jamie Gertz. Um, yeah, when he they they bond or whatever, he becomes yeah, part of the, which is weird because that, that, that little kid there the whole time. I just think that's a weird fucking moment. But in any case, <laughs> it, I never thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's essentially um, uh, silent. You know, I mean, there's not a lot of fucking dialogue in that scene, and um. That was that was a moment. I don't know about you, but that's one of the moments when I watched the movie and I think, "Get out! Get out! Don't! St- what are you doing there? Get out! They're gonna come back! <laughs> get oh, out! I, leave!" When, when he, he sleeps there, and you're like, "Hey, got to do it," you know. But but then he <laughs> when he drinks the blood scene. and they start back with that uh, "Cry Little Sister" song, and then all the Lost Boys are oh, kind of dancing he does the around. Worms, they do the food tricks on him and all that shit, and they do yeah, and the Lost Boys do it. It's very much like a Peter Pan kind of um yes, red that's pill, blue the, pill kind of a moment, is it not? all of that together oh. and then the montage that ends the sequence and then the bridge part i mean where they're hanging off the fucking bridge and he's telling them to trust oh, them and let go into the scene. fog uh, yeah, it's it the movie is a series of very good scenes and, and it just and then it oh, ends man. and you're like that's how the 80s used to be it was just fucking it was a clean i mean you mentioned that bridge thing like, there's shit that like in that movie the scenes play out and, and i think they're high stakes scenes and a lot of that and they're they're really played out very coolly but uh, but they get under my skin, and I'm thinking, ah, don't do this, don't don't do that, don't do, th-. you know. Then he does it, and then it has that moment where you're like, okay, it cuts away, and like, what the fuck happened? Is he okay? Is he not okay? Like, like, where is this gonna go? And then he's okay. <laughs> this movie is also very similar to a lot of those like high school it's movies good. that were going on at the time. You know, like of the course. cool game. It just it, it reminds me of all these tropes are I'm, in this. I'm reliving the movie thing. right now and I'm loving it even more. <laughs> we're doing the podcast. It's the fucking Lost Boys. It, this movie is a uh, is uh, very good. I don't know. I like this movie Which more than I thought. Which is an underrated classic. This is. I think you hit it on the head when you say it really you forget is. how good it is because you I do. Used that, I hadn't seen it in 11 years. I stepped away from it. When I had seen it in the theater last, I thought, this is a fucking classic. How do I not watch this more often? Right. I spent another decade not watching it. <laughs> like, I once a year, out. I feel like this movie's worth it. Um, yeah, I, ah. I don't know why they're showing things in the theater right now, like Scream, you know, pre, pre-re shutdown. Oh, I would Over watch Halloween, this. Over Halloween, they were showing uh, Scream and all well, that. I'd doing go that watch this in the bucks, um, You know, buy out the 20 seats in the theaters or whatever. Watch whatever movie you want. Um, if they had the Lost Boys, even after I've already fucking watched this on DVD here, uh, yeah, if this was available, hundred bucks down. If no one else comes, fine. Fucking hundred bucks. Here's my here's my money. <laughs> Show me it, this on the big screen right now. 
If you look at the career of Kiefer Sutherland to go leading into this, he came off of Stand By Me, which is a fucking another great movie that I don't watch often enough, to be honest with you. I love Stand that's By a good Me. Movie, yeah. He does this movie. Well, we then do. he goes and does Young Guns. I mean, that's a nice run mm. of Young Guns is so good too. Iconic movies but of the era young, that he's um, involved in. Very young you know, cast. Obviously can't say Brat Pack, but um but they're kind of Brat Pack-ish, even though they're not the official Brat Pack. They're kind well, of the, I, To me, they are, I mean, yeah, I, I say you can't say that, but that is descriptive of these types of, of the Lost Boys. It's descriptive of this type of, of uh, movie, right? Yeah, from the era, yes. Of, yeah. And so, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's yeah, Kiefer a, Sutherland, for sure. And Emilio Estevez. It, I mean, you brought up Charlie Sheen. Um, it's definitely a lot the the bad boy... Um. Uh, even Jason Pat Jason Patrick is the main character in this is is as we already said not really the odd man out he's the bad boy really as well as they're the bad boys like everyone's a bad boy in the fucking 80s and 90s <laughs> it's true everyone had the James Dean thing kind of going yeah. on you know every they all wanted to be that cool uh outlier hipster you know and it was and if you were the the outcast in school you weren't really a dork at all i mean none of these guys are fucking Daniel Larusa you know they're they're not like a <laughs> They're not super, super <laughs> nerdy or anything. Uh, all these, I mean, in fact, Jason Patrick wants to kick the shit out of Keith Sutherland the minute they meet. I mean, he challenges him to a fight. That's what Sutherland's character yeah. likes about him. That's why he invites him back to the the, the hideout. Um, the sequence yeah. in the high, in in that area. Why do you think they have in their cave that Jim Morrison mural? Do you think there's any sort of relevance to that? You think just because the people are strange um, song they play throughout the Doors song? When they enter town. Well, I mean, at the time, well, when when I went in the eighties, um, well, did you listen to the Doors? I did. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the Doors. Yeah, it was a big uh, thing. Even and that was past the point, really. But um, Jim Morrison lived on, um, in that same sense of ideas as this movie, you know, as the Lost Boys. Um, I think that's Jim Morrison to a T, right? Um, I can see what you're saying there. So, yeah, yeah the, I think it works. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing a good job explaining it. <laughs> well, I don't know if people they, listen to The Doors nowadays, uh, but I, The Doors, the music of The Doors was about, um, you know, I won't say hippy dippy in that sense, but it was the odd man out. You know, it was the, he was the bad boy. And he wore the leather pants um, and the whole nine. It was 100%. kind of the, the start of the, the hair rock uh, culture in a lot of ways. Yeah, even though his is, music wasn't that crazy, it was a little more. Uh, well, this is I, full on tame. This movie comes out stuff, but yeah. in the, the hair metal era, I mean, you could see it in the the design oh, their of their hair. Yeah, like, the <laughs> Southern's baldness, as you already said already, but they have his, uh, you know, thinning hair sitting straight up on his his head With going long, going luscious, back and everything. Uh, he's got a nice uh, <laughs> yeah. mullet going in this fucking thing. Oh and yeah, people. Everyone have, else is. Uh, this is back in the day, and this is again a Jim Morrison thing too. Uh, men have uh, eyelashes. Oh yeah, well, they're wearing eyeliner, mascara, eyelashes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so yeah, so I think that as far as uh, the Jim Morrison stuff, I think that just makes sense. Yeah, I always wondered why he was so prominently displayed in that, but I could see also because he died it's young, little, partied hard, stayed up. You know what I that mean? That is like, kind well, of, and you know, vampires. You missing mentioned Interview with the Vampire. Obviously, that's a book. 
um, came out uh, about this time, really, actually. Yeah, late, I think late 70s, early 80s, maybe? But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say late 70s, I think, in a real vampire came out. But anyway, it's around this time period. The movie came out in the 90s, obviously, which kind of in a different time period, but, you know, put those together. But um, with any vampire stuff, you get that homoeroticism. That's a big you know, part of and it this, all. This come, and this comes, and it's in this movie too, but it's not a, a major part of this movie. They really never call it out, but certainly that's kind of the allure of the Lost Boys in some sense. And Keith Sutherland kind of, in some sense, falling for this guy, like wanting to pull him in. Not very, this is a very vampire thing, not interested in the crew that he has so much. They're loyal, they'll do his stuff, but they're dumb shit hyena guys. You know, they're uh, Alex Winters, like, uh, right. you know, whatever. Like, he doesn't, he has no they're respect minions. for these guys, but they're, they, yeah, they're, they're minions. Yeah. So this guy he sees, and this is, uh, going back to your point, break stuff as his equal. This is someone he can, he can get into bed with, he can roll around with, and he's, uh, you know, not a beta, I guess. I don't, I don't know how well, to explain it's what they it call, so much, you know. It's what they call a new booty. He's all <laughs> fucking turned on by the new piece of ass on the block. And don't think that this I mean, was lost yes. on Joel Schumacher, who was an out, you know, openly gay man, who all these undertones Which in, the may script, have in the story. Which may have helped quite a bit with this movie, because this movie has absolutely. flair to it, and it really works, yeah. He also had a background in stage theater and production, and that's why yes, this and thing that is... and that plays is out in this, too. 100%. And Hugely. the thing is, we're only... If you look at the year this came out was 87, that's only eight years before he's given the reins to uh, the Batman franchise. So this is kind of his audition in a lot of ways into blockbuster filmmaking for Warner Brothers, delivering something that has a, a hit soundtrack. It checks a lot of boxes, mm-hmm. so he doesn't seem that crazy of a... If you just look at the Batman series and go, why the fuck but did they go with feel, Joel Schumacher? This is this kind of explains that a little bit. Batman movies definitely had more of... Are you talking about a style? Those would probably they would be... The Dutch most, angles all the time. His and, style and that they zooms. had. This, you said, not so much. Does he rely on the uh, cinematographer... Do you think well, I much, think he got like lost. some people do? I mean, obviously, Sonnenfeld does not. Sonnenfeld is his own his own DP, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I as much so, you can look at Sonnenfeld movies and they all look like Men in Black. Um, beautifully mm-hmm. shot, by the way, but they all they all look shot uh, clearly by this. But not that's not so much Schumacher as you said. Schumacher has a more static approach. It's it's more um, professional craftsmanship well, in that it's just you say, you set the camera. Yeah. And it really it, does he, appear to be more stage play-ish. He knows how to get the performances. He knows how to cast right. He knows how to design yeah, so is that more important? a look. I mean, I mean Kevin For Smith this kind of went material, through this. Yes. Right? Kevin Smith went through a similar thing where he basically thought his movies weren't doing very well because he, he wasn't directing uh, you know, visually very well. Um, and then, of course, made uh, Zach and Mary, which he relied heavily on a cinematographer to do that for him, and it failed miserably. <laughs> well, so did Jersey Girl. I mean, I believe he had um, and so did Jersey Zigman, Girl, which is uh, yeah, shooting that. Yep, which is another one that did that. So, is it more important that people know directors know their strength and, and put their uh, put themselves in that mindset and do that, and not worry about the other stuff? You know, because well, you in, in this case, it, I think yeah. it played off him but I, I think so too what if he had a really shitty dp that's true would he or be so- in trouble and would this movie suck then <laughs> 
because the the look of this is is huge and all the color splashes i mean there's a lot of the, the that, younger characters the in this of this movie as you said i mean the blocking is super simple in this um, but don't you see the, comic the book angles and tones of this too but it works but it works like i would not want this to be uh you know if spielberg made this movie it would be too much yeah it, this is this is pitched at a level of camp in a lot of ways too. Exactly, and, like, it's very comic booky. Yep. The, the the red flashing extreme lights in a lot of times when I mean, the couples in the car making uh, out. Nightmare on Elm Street. I, this kind of has a very basic yeah. Wes Craven kind of a feel to it. Uh, yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, even um, you know some of the, like that Rennie Harlan one that was uh, I yeah. think part four. It has a kind of a feel of that, which is that era as well. Um, in, in horror films, you know, horror films often we've always talked about, and people that know film know that they're constantly talked about how it's the end of the horror film, and every couple of years a new series comes out that totally reinvigorates it, and we're back in horrors <laughs> making great money and good standing. In the '80s, I don't think that there was ever a time when horror films were so prolific and profitable. And this plays into some strengths of the horror film, but it's not a true horror film by any stretch of the imagination. But it has got moments in it that are, are it earns its R rating, right? I don't think that this is for younger audiences. I, I saw this when I was probably nine I think years I would old. Let a I younger mean, audience watch this. I was too fucking young to watch this. This this, this freaked me out a little bit, particularly that um, the first kill with the when they kill the even though it's just a camera move now that when I watch it older, but I thought that because mm-hmm. on the soundtrack it's bats. When they come to swoop the security guard that they kicked right. him out of the park in the very beginning, that fucked with me. That shot of a lone man walking to his car from the overhead point of view. Yeah, there's a certain loneliness to that shot, and the whole night. I don't. That that really I mean, got maybe, to me. Maybe it's a time thing. I watching this now. This is tame as shit. Like I would. Let, oh, it's PG thirteen. Yeah, I would let a ten year old watch this at this point. Um. Uh, well, maybe not a ten year old. <laughs> I'd let a 13, 12 year old watch this. No problem. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I don't remember this being horribly bad. For me, like I say, it's really just the more worry when I watch any movie of someone stepping into something and knowing, hey, hey, you shouldn't be there. You should get the fuck out. (laughs) What are you doing? Um, And yeah, and the madness of hanging off that bridge is just insane. I don't know. Why would you do that? He doesn't even know he's a vampire at that point. Why would you do that? Well, he's got to prove to this asshole. Oh, fuck the thing that. Is, That's he's crazy. Going, to, to go back to your point about this this homoerotic love affair, and, and we know we're not being facetious here. There's a lot of this in oh, these vampire break, movies. Man, watch Point Break. It's in there, too. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and Fast and Furious, for that matter. Um, yeah, the original I mean, one. I don't know. We say that that's said more of, uh, as a joke than anything else. I mean, people but have. But in a, that sequence, he <laughs> is going, when he starts, when he goes after the girl and uh-huh. then punches Kiefer Sutherland and he says, come you know ride with me or keep up with that, me on these things he is trying to impress sutherland more than the girl in those scenes oh 100 so it's, playing and it's to that. clear later on that Kiefer sutherland doesn't give a shit about the girl uh, he could care less she could I mean, she's give a shit less and, about yeah. her she's just hanging around she's not even a vampire she's hanging around she's doing groupie. whatever he doesn't even care he cares she's about basically him. a fucking roadie like a band it's roadie. crazy yeah it's crazy yeah, how good this movie is because that's not even Depth wise, I just what we just said is ridiculous, right? That wouldn't be in any other movie. Not yeah, certainly yeah, even at this point, even to the to a degree that it would play out to where you would give a shit. Um, well, it would so, be spelled out so clearly that it wouldn't be left to like why do they have this relationship? Yeah, it's subtle. There's there's subtlety here. That's what that's part of his style. Yeah, I believe I agree. In this. it's. 
as overly operatic and, and kind of thematic this is and campy, there's some some subtlety here that's at work. And that's why this movie, I think, has endeared all these years and has become this cult classic. And this, I mean, a lot of girls I know growing up thought, you know, had this poster on their wall. They loved these fucking guys. Right. I mean, they had their sexual awakening to this movie. I have no idea. But the point <laughs> of the story is they fucking love this movie. I mean, it, it was everywhere. Uh, and... I, I just don't see it, it was, getting the yeah. love that it does that other '80s movies do from this era, well, like Back to the Future and you know uh, Pretty in Pink and kind of the John Hughes movies. This isn't that far removed from that John Hughes Brat Pack era, like you had said. You don't think it's as big? Um, I don't know that I, I I might disagree with you on that. I think this is a movie that gets mentioned a lot. I mean, I hear yeah. a lot, especially in 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 the same breath as John Hughes type stuff. Yeah, I think people would say Lost Boys. I, I don't think this well, is good. a lost movie. Um, I will say I have not seen the sequels to this. I know you have. So uh, uh, if you might just fill us in a little bit on that and if those destroy this, should you ever watch the sequels? Should you just no. forget they exist? Yeah. How many are there? There's four of these, aren't I there? I saw, I stopped at the are third they? one. This, the second one was such a letdown, but I watched it because there was this like this very minor connection to the the originals and i believe it had Corey Haim in it or i'm sorry Corey feldman if i'm not mistaken yes, reprising so. his role um no, it's Corey, it's not Corey Haim. yeah it's not um you know there was this era when they did these remember the two guys Maybe from get smart one. that had that like kind of knockoff direct-to-video movie that they did do you remember sure, that? Sure, sure. lloyd and whatever lloyd and harry or something yeah, like, harry, no, yeah, whatever it was it was, yeah, Lloyd it was like something. It was something like that, yeah. The whole slew of this was going on, and the only people that are still doing this is Universal with their Scorpion King and American Pie series. But they this keep was, fucking... uh, but these were straight to video. Um, I mean, the second one actually, and it did fairly well. Um, the 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 stuff after that. I mean, we're talking. Does it get into like Hellraiser quality shit? You know, are we talking like just we just shut something out and, and threw Lost Boys name on it? It doesn't get as bad as that, like the last couple Hellraiser movies, but that third one is hard to watch. The second one isn't as bad, but that third one has almost nothing to do with anything. And uh, I, I didn't I didn't care for that. It reminded me of the two uh, from Dust Till Dawn follow ups. There were those which were not good. There you go. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. So well, that's unfortunate, but um, at least he's still, there's still a, a great movie here. Um, and to be fair, they've. Um, we had Dirty Dancing sequels. We've had Roadhouse sequels. Um, so this has come around, you know, people trying to cash in on on this stuff, but nothing coming close to what the original did. And for obvious reasons, isn't it? When you watch these these movies, uh, there's something special about them. You know, something that maybe can only be captured once. There is. I, it's almost an untangible quality. You can't. Eat. You, you know that it's used, there. That, that used to happen it. in the old days, though. That used to be it's a thing magic. where you only, they made one movie, and that was it, and that was the magic, and you saw it. Not only did you see it, but you goddamn rewound it and then watched it again <laughs> yes. right after you were done with it. And or, you laughed, or came but it's HBO fucking again. true. Yes, it's yep, fucking I true, man. I People, we used to watch these movies over and over again, um, and to some extent, like I don't know, I miss that to some degree, especially now... Um, you know, I watch a couple of movies every night now, and you know, I'm out of technically out of things to watch. I'm just watching random stuff, and it's not good. 
nothing well, is no, good these days. I the fact that these movies special. Were, we cherished a movie like this when this came out, and we we got our hands on it, to, so to speak. And you watched it a couple times. Mm-hmm. You started just ab- absorbing it. And it's What's, rhythms isn't and it's tones like, and looking forward to things. And yeah, how uh, is it, this it, any different than? What, what music back in the day, back in the nineties and the eighties, you used to buy an album and you used to listen say to the it same thing. and they were B sides, yep. right? The B sides. Mm-hmm. And you, and you would grow to fucking like Love it's them. Not a joke. There was no. good ass music out there that nowadays you don't even give it a shot. I mean, as, as early or as recently as maybe even less than 10 years ago there, I, I had a, a Kid Cudi CD that I put on and was like, this is mm-hmm. dog shit. And it was given to me and left in my car because I left it in my car. It kept playing. It become one of my favorite CDs of all time yeah. because of the playability and you grows on you and there's certain grooves. There's so much product being thrown at us now. It's hard to kind of, you know, you, you saw the latest Avenger movie, but did you go back and really absorb it? Did you, did you let it get into your pores? Yeah, did you, you, did you learn so the much? cuts? Did you learn... Um, who says Film dialogue where this and what's it. exactly and that's what it used to be like and that's what music used to be like too you know yeah. um, I mean good god uh, I mean do you know how many times real. I listened to Rattle and Hum in my life you know just <laughs> over and over because I had that CD yeah. as a kid and that tape and certain songs and um, and soundtracks oh, man. too this I is used, one of I them I remember switching like I used I listened to rock and metal and, and stuff like that and my cousin used to listen to, to hip hop and 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 gangster rap and stuff like that and we would uh you know make t- copies of tapes for each other and we would see each other and get together swap out tapes and stuff and i remember listening to shit like iced tea and stuff that i would never normally have listened to oh yeah and it was like I mean, holy shit yes thank you there was an era i would say from you know in my childhood between 88 and 94 where the amount of good rock grunge hip-hop coming mm-hmm. out gangster rap all that was so i just thought it was always going to be like that and maybe it is for you generations always, but is it it's I feel like it's not because you would you would learn things i mean i remember I, i've never had these experiences in modern uh life before i mean me and you obviously riff off each other tell you this is a good movie this is not a good movie whatever but by the time we met we already had well established a background in what we liked yeah. yeah yeah and uh, and there were crossovers and this and that we'd throw stuff uh, back and forth but it was well established but i remember uh, you know 97 98 uh working at the uh at an old folks home uh, in the kitchen and this the guy that worked there filling me in on Japanese anime and yeah, giving me I mean, VHS tapes of fucking like movies that like Ghost in the Shell and like fucking a Ninja Scroll and shit things that I'd never seen it fucking blew my mind well I mean I, I can even uh, go to you and say this uh, a friend's dad on a little league team turned us on to Jackie Chan John Woo there stuff in the 80s mm-hmm. like the killers um, uh, hard, oh. hard boiled all sorts of shit that we couldn't 100%. even get over here I, mean, I remember watching I remember when Bravo used to play independent cinemas and being turned on to La Femme Nikita and shit like that and just weird fucking oh, yeah. French movies played in widescreen guys mm-hmm. this was the 90s People, well, I mean, in- it was not widescreen shit on fucking TV but you had Bravo you had independent film channel and they had real fucking movies on there that were eye opening that we you mm-hmm. couldn't get uh, normally you know and nowadays we you just stream any of this shit and it just has no meaning anymore I don't know I, I, I got taken to, to see <laughs> the the American cut, obviously, of The Big Blue in 1988, and I fell in love mm-hmm. with that movie. The director's I, I, cut's day, really great. 
I, it, the director's cuts even is great too, but mm-hmm. I fell in love with a certain cut and it's so different that it's hard for me to, because I know that movie so yeah, well, you know, it's like, oh, it feels almost different to me, but uh, it's it's one of those things too where like, you, you know, you you know what you know and you're exposed to what you think you like and then somebody comes and says did you see this did you did you hear that you know it's it's almost like the first time i heard nirvana or notorious oh. big or saw right? um, a peck and pop film that's what i'm saying i remember riding on the amtrak and putting in that iced tea cassette and listening to it and never in a million years would i've ever have listened to iced tea on my own yeah it's but that i don't know if that's because unbelievable though things like, felt more uh, because it was harder to obtain, when you got your hands on it, it felt like you had something of value and you wanted to cherish it and maybe even a little forbidden. Personal. I was what is the word that I would use. Personal. Things felt personal back then. They do not feel personal nowadays. It feels like well, I click a button, it streams, yeah. I listen to it, maybe I don't. Let me give you this shit. analogy. You used mm-hmm. to have to drive down somewhere, obviously. And this, this sounds like we're walking to school both ways. You know, sure. Snow both, hill both ways. But you had to drive somewhere. <laughs> and even when you rented that cassette, Warehouse Video was the best because they actually drive gave somewhere. you the fucking I used box. To ride my bike to the goddamn video store every right, day. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, you get your parents to take you sure. or whatever. But you would have something physical video. in your hands. And it was yours for 24 oh. hours or 48 hours. And you could watch it 20 fucking times in that if you wanted to. And you would. And nobody you else might. had that copy because you, you had it. So your friends would come over and you'd have something tactile. You'd is have the video limited cassette. availability then? Is that what it is? It must be because we would have like, you know, someone's parents would go to the video store. And they go, oh, oh, we got a bro, copy of watch a Total Recall so many tonight. goddamn times. I know. You it's know? unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I mean, dog shit movies you'd watch more than once. Uh, it's ridiculous. You know how many shitty movies I saw at sleepovers where friends fell asleep and I stayed up and watched it like Blind Fury? The first and how, time and how like, much do you love those awesome. movies nowadays versus some fucking dog awesome. shit, whatever that you fucking streamed? I mean, that's, uh, the other day, yeah, I know. I, I don't, I can't. Availability, maybe. Maybe that's just it. I don't know what it is. I do feel like quality of work is different. And I'm not talking about quality of of pixel per pixel on the fucking screen, which it feels like that's what they're, they focus on quality nowadays. You know, does it look real? Is it, does it look like someone spent $800 million on a damn movie? Right. That's not the quality I'm talking about. I'm talking about the quality of taking time uh, to make a goddamn movie, to make something that matters. How do I have forethought? Have I thought through these shots? Am I shooting this here? Is, is magic happening? Right. To be and, fair, and it's though. not. For Nowadays. a filmmaker to go through all that trouble to actually do that and have it be disposable entertainment that people won't even go back it's and the review, worst, right? I feel so bad about that because the, you had to imagine that people, oh. even as we grow up, I you know, and talk to people from our generation. I love finding out what's someone's like favorite rewatchability movie. Whether it's, you know, I talked to somebody the other day and they said that Drop Dead Fred, they watch it like every <laughs> year at a certain time. And that cracks me up because that fucking movie has a life now. <laughs> so the people that made it, yeah. it doesn't matter that it came out and bombed or that everyone hated it or, or Yahoo Serious tried to do four other fucking movies and couldn't do anything or Young, Fr- I young think Einstein or whatever. And I think that if anyone, if anyone likes a movie like that, you should tell people. Yeah, you know, because that should, that should get back to the people who made it, because that's that's pretty important. 
it's literally and it's like John Carpenter I had a great line where he said like mm-hmm. all of his movies besides Halloween were box office failures and they didn't get loved until 20 or 30 years down the road yeah. which hurt, didn't help his career at all so you know it didn't help that they didn't show up on he says it's great that they found it now but like at the time he couldn't get a fucking job <laughs> you know what I mean lot. like <laughs> yeah it's like where were you guys 30 years ago yeah, and um, that's something I that didn't necessarily have in the Lost Boys, but that is something uh, that is interesting because Lost Boys lives on um, through word of mouth. You know, that's how Lost Boys lives on. And I think I obviously listen to this podcast. You know, um, anyone who watches Lost Boys uh, will talk about it. You know, I I just I you you're gonna talk about it. I think it's that good of a fucking movie. It, you come out of it with a buzz, right? I yes, I want to see yeah. more. You know, I. Um, but there is no more, and that's something that's that's special about this, and that's something that we're losing um, too much in today's world. I think we gotta, you know, quality over over quantity, please. please. It is somewhat surprising that they didn't sequelize this immediately, right? That they didn't have this sequel ready for summer of '89. I, like, would you I, have imagined that they'd have prepped this kind of right away? I don't know because they did not sequelize things back then like they like they do nowadays. Irregardless of your Jasons and your Freddies and your certain things that, that certainly did sequelize out, those were not common. I mean, that really yeah. wasn't common, man. You know, I'm, Well, 89 was you're, a big year for sequels, though. The summer of 89 with, like, Back to the Future 2, Indy 3. I understand a couple things. Uh, the sequel stuff was is cheap... Is, cheap stuff you know i canon had a lot of sequels um mm-hmm. i mean it's things like that anyone who was trying to establish anything and do it cheaply made sequels right and, and that's eventually what happened to almost all of those those things that got sequels um is they petered out but people yeah, started had hating them after a while to be honest with they you. lost they, their coolness because they, they got oversold you know i mean uh, in some sense, like some things worked out, you know, Freddy, we got the new nightmare and stuff like that. Um, eventually moved on to scream. So to some degree, I don't know, I, I guess things kind of worked out, but the sequelitis stuff, uh, I will look at today, right? It's, it's smart business, right? Sequels. So well, it's, it's not a, artistic. a TV show, a movie, right. a fucking it's not, comic it's not artistic. It's, it's, it's business. It's synergy. So that's yeah, a real, real issue with those. I just was always surprised that they didn't come up with something because this had such good, you know, the ancillary stuff and, and such a when life. When did the sequel come out with this? 2000... 2012? No, I'm sorry, 2010 no, 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 no. Had to be. No, 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 no. Uh, Wait, no, it had to be. 2007 or 2006 eight. or something? When More than 20 it? years after the original film. Uh, and then the second, the third one came out in 2010. Yeah, so like 2008, Sequels? 2009. Where is the sequel? 2008 comic book series. Uh, it's called the tribe. It's the tribe. I want to say it's two thousand nine. So roughly twenty two huh. years after the original. Could have sworn a little bit earlier than that, but regardless, late two thousands. Yeah. Um, just but just a good flick, and I'm glad we went back and and mm. looked at this. It really, um. I don't know. I, I had mentioned this and I, I just kind of got a hair at my ass. I said, I want to watch The Lost Boys. And then when I put it on, I went, fuck yeah, I want to watch The Lost <laughs> Boys. I mean, I, it's rare nowadays, you know, when I put something on that I can sit down and sit all the way through it because of 25 Almost distractions that I got right? going on. 
Um, I watched this in one sitting. I didn't. I didn't move. I was pinned. Oh. And it's not a yeah. long movie. It's a hundred minutes, maybe, but it's a it very fleet hundred minutes. It feels longer than it is, and, and that's Does not it, a bad thing. I thought it felt thing. shorter. Really? I thought it felt a little longer, I, but that's not a bad thing. It's a real movie, though. It's it's doesn't it doesn't fuck around. Like this is it's got a beginning, it's got a middle, it's got an ending, it's got you know a subplot that's it's cool. It's got it's got actually got a cute little subplot with the mom too. I love the mom character in this movie. <laughs> Diane West is is is, mm-hmm. is is a great um, mom in this just movie. Lo- likeable, just, right? Just totally fucking <laughs> likeable. And ex hippie who wants to give her kids. She's so understanding, and she wants to give her kids the space to do this and. Um, just yeah. I don't know. Even though this kid's he, a total asshole, <laughs> he, is, they're, they're, he is an asshole in this movie. You feel bad for brother, Corey Haynes at some point, but but then yeah, but then they get they get together and I don't know. There is that kind of like brotherly thing um, throughout the whole movie, I guess, really. But uh, but yeah, specifically, obviously, they are brothers. Um, and there's a a family thing as well uh, that's in this. I I don't know. I like. I miss '80s uh, movies, I guess. With uh, I, I don't necessarily want to say traditional ideals, but <laughs> that is kind of what, what it is, about. right? You know what I mean? Like it's the family uh, unit and the whole the goodness yeah. of the family and the yeah, we're all gonna get through this because we're a family. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you you might not see that nowadays outside of a Hallmark Christmas movie, but uh, it it works here. I mean, it definitely works here. Michael Chapman did do the cinematography. No wonder it looks so good. I mean, shit. Hmm. This guy was a uh, worked for Martin Scorsese a, quite a bit. Yeah, that was shit. He shot a shot the Fugitive. He got a the award. I think it was donated for the Oscar, I believe, for that hmm. as well. Did a lot of uh, yeah, Scrooge. So he had worked with uh, Donner quite a bit yeah. already. Shot I mean, the movie Bull. is is simply shot, but it's not it's not poorly shot. You know, no, not not by any stretch. Mm-hmm. all right well that's going to wrap up our retro look at the lost boys we want to thank you guys for joining us on this look back to the 1987 film uh please we, we implore you guys i believe to, to go back and, and look at this and uh join in the conversation let us know what you think about the movie on our facebook page uh go to moviemavericks.com check out our reviews there and our past podcasts are available on apple itunes uh, stitcher uh spotify we're all over the place you can find us we're you know <laughs> we're not hard to find <laughs> you, you look for us we're right there we're not lost <laughs> we're, we're not the lost boys that's for fucking sure it, yeah you're in line at the supermarket you turn around we'll be there <laughs> don't worry <laughs> you look out your window i'm right there don't hey, even worry listen, about it i'm in listen, your headphones when you're jogging listen, yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking nightmare hey, just me. listen <laughs> we're like peanut butter in the hair we can't go anywhere well speaking for trevor anderson i am jason rugard and we are the movie mavericks Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!